0: Um, we are in the book of Amos. We're going to look at four minor prophets. We're looking at Amos this week. Uh, these four minor prophets are prophets who were during the time of the kings. So we did the book of First and Second Kings, and that told us what happened, what the government did, what the kings did, and all that. These are the prophets. This is God's response to what they were doing, what was going on. Um, and these minor prophets, one of the reasons they're called minor prophets is because they didn't go to the kings. They went to the people. So many of these lessons are going to be uh, dealing with the regular, everyday people on the street, as opposed to dealing with the kings and the, the nation as a, as, a, as a government, as an entity. Um, so last week, we looked at the beginning of uh, Amos and saw that um, uh, he's dealing with the nation of Israel, the Northern Kingdom, and that God had a few offenses uh, regarding their actions. Anybody remember? Can tell us what it was that he was upset about. They were oppressing the poor. They were oppressing the poor. Israel had become rich. They'd become very wealthy under Rehoboam the Second. And they were using that as an excuse to make the poor people poorer. They wanted new shoes, so they would take in uh, somebody who owed money and they would sell them into slavery. And it would be harsh slavery just so they could buy new shoes. You know, those new Nikes aren't cheap. Um, But that's the sort of thing that they were doing. So this week, we're in session two, Turn to God. God seeks his people. Holding them accountable for how they respond to him will be in Amos chapter 4, looking at verses 1 to 13. Um, As we do this, uh, we're trying to look at what the the primary teaching is um, in it. And today, uh, we're looking at, here we go, we should work to provide For the orphaned, the needy, the abused, the aged, the helpless, and the sick. One of the things that we see in scripture is that God expected Israel to take care of those in need rather than squash them. Which is what the world does. The world says it's about me. Get what I want. Get what I need. I'm number one. I'm on top. And I'm going to climb over everybody to get there, and that's not the way God intended life to work. And much of the Levitical law talks about not charging interest um, against your brothers. They weren't allowed to charge each other interest as uh, Jews and Israelites. Um, that if you took somebody's cloak as um, what do they call that collateral? collateral that's the word. Yeah as collateral, you ought to give it back to them by the end of the day, because it's cold at night. They need something to wrap up in. That's unacceptable that you would keep it. um, That sort of thing. Which, when we come to the New Testament, the rule of thumb is what? You
1: give it without expecting
0: anything. Well, that's true. What's the rule of thumb? Do we have a whole long list of laws, which they did in the Old Testament, Love your neighbor as yourself. Loving your neighbor as yourself means that we provide for the orphan because they're orphaned. We take care of the needy, the abused. Somebody's got to stand up for them. Uh, the aged, the helpless, the sick. That's loving your neighbor, right? We, we're supposed to look out for each other. Whether it's because you, you're related to them or because they're in the church. Just because you're not connected to them in some manner, uh, the church has a responsibility to those. Uh, it's one of the one of the things I get to do as part of my job, is write the benevolence checks to pay for oil or uh, heaters or you, you'd be amazed at the the things that people need help with medicine. Um, we've helped those who they, they can't afford their prescriptions. I mean stuff like that. Uh, I think it's next week we'll have a benevolence fund offering every fifth sunday we do that to refill that account um, as we help those i mean we help other people in the in the um community as well it's not just people from our church we've helped those in the community that need help um, and stuff and that that is a teaching in the old testament they had rules guiding it in the new testament jesus said we're just supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves and, you know, the, the great question, well, who's my neighbor? Well, when you're when you're the guy traveling on, down the road and you find a guy laying there in a ditch, you become the neighbor, don't you? All right, so that's what we're looking at. This is what Israel was not doing. And so Amos is preaching against the opposite of this. So this is what they're supposed to be doing. This is what we're supposed to be doing. They were abusing the... Orphaned. they were abusing the needy, the aged. They were taking advantage of them, and God was not pleased. God, I mean, this should wake us up, you know. That you know, it's not a pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, as we believe here in America. Well, you can't do it. Then it's too bad for you. That is not the mentality God wanted us. We are to be our brother's keeper. Now that doesn't mean they get to the sponge off of us and do nothing, because He talks an awful lot about being lazy too. Um, But that's a whole other set of lessons. But we are to help them, and they weren't doing it, and God is going to lay down the, you know, (coughs) what's coming, and it's because you're not doing this. So let's jump into this. Um, As we go uh, to chapter 4, we did chapter 2 last week. Chapter 3, God claims that he has warned Israel of the coming judgment over and over and over again by sending prophets and they have ignored the prophets in chapter 3 Amos lays down how they ignored and didn't listen so this is now God's response so for hundreds of years God told the people this is my law follow it they didn't listen he sent prophets they didn't listen so now we're coming this is is God's word on it this is going to be judgment here's what's coming so Let's jump into this. Chapter 4, verses uh, 1 to 3. Somebody go ahead and read that for us, nice and loud.
2: Hear this word, you cows of Bashan, who are on the mountain of Samaria, who oppress the poor, who crush the needy, who say to your husbands, Bring that we may drink. The Lord God has sworn by his holiness that behold the days are coming upon you when they shall take you away with hooks, even the last of you with fish hooks. And you shall go out through the breaches, each one straight ahead, and you shall be cast into harmony, declares the Lord. All
0: right. Doesn't sound fun, does it? Okay, I love this chapter. This chapter just drips with satire, with, now um, um, I lost the word. Sarcasm. Sarcasm. Uh, And there's a lot of figures of speech. So let's deal with some of that uh, so that this will make sense. Because reading this as an American, uh, you know, yeah, I kind of get the idea. But I don't think we get the idea because it's a lot harder than we think it is. So let's take a look at some of this. First off, let's start with Bashan. Most people don't know where Bashan is. Here's Israel. Here's the Dead Sea. This is the Sea of Galilee up here. Here's Jericho, and Jerusalem is like right here. Right around here is where um, Samaria would have been. This is Bashan, up here. Uh, Bashan is north and east of um, the Sea of Galilee, and is a huge flatland now. It is overlooked by the Golan Heights. So if you're thinking modern day, the Golan Heights... And what happened in that area? What what were they doing from the Golan Heights? Attacking. Yeah, they were attacking Israel. Syria would use the Golan Heights. Hezbollah would shell into Israel because you can see the mountains. Here's Mount Hermon. All this area is much higher than the area of Bashan. Today, it's uh, it, it's one of the great production areas for food in Israel that's why Israel took the Golan Heights because it's their prime farmland in Amos' day it's where the cows were raised all those bulls that they would sacrifice from in the temple and all that they came from Bashan just as Judah was where all the sheep came from the best cows, the fatted cows the the nicest cows came from Bashan and um, they were, because it was just grasslands, they were grass-fed, beautiful-looking cattle. So it was famed for this. So he's talking about, to the women of Samaria, and calling them the cows of Bashan, meaning they're the fat, juicy, I want a steak out of that cow people. So that's... They were prime. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were prime-aged Angus beef, ready for slaughter. That's what he's calling these women, all right? That's how useless they were. You're nothing but food, although they didn't think of it as food. But. Um, so your cows of Bashan is a derogatory label ridiculing wealthy women. It was very common. Um, this is how the, the, the low people would have called the wealthy, those cows of Bashan. I mean, you can just hear them on some TV show, all right? Yeah, housewives, whatever. Um, It was understood that these rich women in Samaria controlled their husbands. The the, the husbands weren't manly men. We're not talking like David. These guys were beholden to their wives. Look, it says it right there. Um, Where is it? Verse 4. Samaria, who oppressed the needy and say to your husbands, bring me that drink. Uh, You know, the the, the idea here is is that they just snap their fingers and their husbands are just bringing them whatever it is they want. So the husbands had to provide for them or they'd leave and, uh, you know, or some such. And so they were oppressing the needy, the orphaned, in order to get money, in order so that these wives could lay around on couches drinking whatever it was they wanted to be drunk. Um, So that's this area. Now, Harmon... Uh, we don't know where that is. It is believed that it was actually, that it was um, a, a misaligned word, that uh, it was another spelling for Mount Hermon, and that they're talking about dragging them up here, which would be into Damascus, in the Syria, uh, that they would be going up there. They, that's what they believe the word was because there's no place named Harmon, and so it was probably another spelling there's you all and y'all, it's the same word. That it was probably a spelling thing like that uh, with it. So this is um, very derogatory, and Amos Amos is now. This is God talking. Amos isn't saying this. He is responding with what God has told him to call them. So God is calling these women cows of Bashan. So you understand the seriousness. As we look at this, it's very derogatory. God is really uh, unhappy with their treatment of the poor, the needy, the orphaned, that mere drinks are a reason to oppress them so that they could have their fill. Comment or question? All right, so here we go. We're in uh, part two uh, of the outline of Amos. This is uh, the sermons. For God's people, so these are sermons that Amos is giving from God to them, and we're talking about indulgent women. Uh, they indulged at the expense of others. That's the idea here. They—it wasn't their money they were spending; it was other people's. They were, you know, we're talking Kardashian level here, you know, <laughs> that that sort of thing. Uh, and they will be hauled out. It says. On like on fish hooks. The idea here is that they would they would take um, a lot of string and they would tie fish hooks to the end of it and it'd be on a rope. And you'd throw it in the water where the fish were dense and you pull it along and it catches the fish. That's what they're talking about. These women are going to be hauled out of Samaria like fish caught on (coughs) hooks and they're going to be dragged through the cracks. In the walls. So some enemy is coming and they're gonna break down the walls and they're gonna take all the women, all these wealthy women that are just grinding it out of people so for their mere whim. And they're just gonna be hauled off like fish with a hook in it and drugged through the walls and off to beyond Mount Hermon, which would have been Samaria. And then you'd been on to Assyria or Babylon and all that because you're in the, the Transjordan Highway. So that, this is what God's saying. Because you are doing this to people, this is what's going to happen to you. Comment, question. No? Sounds like God's kind of done with them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> when you reach for sarcasm to tell them just how bad you are and how bad it's going to be, you're done with somebody. This is this is it. All right, we'll move along. Amos chapter four, verses uh, four and five.
1: Go to Bethel and sing. Go to Gilgal and sin yet more. Bring your sacrifices every morning, your tithes every three years. Burn leavened bread as thank offerings and brag about your free will offerings. Boast about them, you Israelites, for this is what you love to do, declares the Sovereign
0: Lord. What verse are you reading? NIV.
2: NIV, okay.
0: Eh, It's okay. It's not a great translation for this particular passage. Uh, Let me read it. Come to Bethel and transgress, to Gilgal and multiply transgressions. Bring your sacrifice every morning, your tithe every three days. Offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving of that which is leavened and proclaim free will offerings. Publish them for so you love to do, O people of Israel, declares the Lord. A couple of word changes there, but I think it's even more derogatory than the NIV, which is is what he's going for. Um, This is sarcastic mocking at its best of the uselessness of their offerings. God is just mocking them. Um, he says, go and do it more. It's so useless. Do it more. Go on. Get to the uh, to Gilgal and Bethel. That's where the altars were set up. Um, he says, worship even harder. Worship even harder. You're not worshiping hard enough. Try better. Try harder. You ever heard somebody like that the reason your life's so a mess is you're not praying enough <laughs> well we say that and we think we're being helpful but God's saying this to them sarcastically uh, the idea that they need to go every morning and worship uh, now we, we think well worshiping God's a good thing right but they had a very precise schedule God gave them the Levitical law Tells them exactly when they need to go, when they need to make sacrifice, what kind of sacrifice needs to be made. But God's like, you're doing, you've done it all wrong because they were worshiping in Bethel and Gilgal. Where were they supposed to worship? In
2: Jerusalem.
0: Jerusalem. What was in Bethel and Gilgal that they went to worship? Cows. The golden calves that, yeah, that were set up. So they're worshiping an idol. They're worshiping. Uh, this thing, instead of going to where they were supposed to go and do it the way they were supposed to, because it's it's very exact what God wanted. And they're not doing it right. They're worshiping this golden calf. He's like, just keep doing it. Do it more. You're not doing it hard enough. Keep going. Uh, That's that's pretty sarcastic. And then he's like, the tithe, you're supposed to do it every three days. How often were they supposed to tithe? A year, the harvest time, you would take your ten percent and you'd set it aside. God says, Nah, 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 just do it every three days. Keep bringing me, keep bringing more. It's useless anyway. And publish it. Right, and then it, yeah, that was the, that's the last part. Go ahead, put it on Facebook. Publish how often, uh, how much you gave. So everybody, you do it anyway. Just do it. Publish it so everybody knows how much you gave and you can be praised for it. Right? Hey, you. Hey, you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's... I mean, this is just sarcasm on sarcasm. On top of that, he says, bring leavened... Uh, bring an offering of Thanksgiving that which is leavened. Were you ever supposed to offer leavened bread? No. No. It was either flatbread that was unleavened or the raw flour itself. You didn't bring, that was I mean, that was a huge taboo. Remember when they go to the Passover, what are they supposed to clean out of their homes? Leaven. Leaven. That's where the whole idea of spring cleaning came from, was they had to get rid of all the leaven out of the house. Uh, And and so God's like, bring me leavened bread. Bring the leavened bread to Gilgal, to your idols, and all that, and do it every three days. I mean, this is just sarcasm on sarcasm on sarcasm because God is so done with them. They're not worshiping where they're supposed to worship. They're not worshiping what they're supposed to worship, which was them. They're not worshiping in the manner in which they were supposed to worship. And then on top of it, they're boasting and bragging about their worship, which what were you supposed to do? Do
1: it in private.
0: Do it in private. You're supposed to do it to God and worship him and brag about God. Not beat your own chest. Look how much I gave. Look what I did. Oh, wow. I I agree. Yeah. Comment. Question.
2: I think that phrase for so you love to do calls out their motivation.
0: Yeah. They totally have the wrong motivation for worshiping God. And they think they're worshiping God, but they're really not. And there's just so much here. So you're abusing the poor, the orphaned, and all that. You're abusing them, which you're not supposed to do. Then you're going and you're worshiping incorrectly and then bragging about it. And God's like, look, these are all, I I told you, here's my word. And he sends prophet after prophet to correct them, and they ignore it. They have the word of God. They have the law of Moses. They're ignoring it. And now he's like, okay, it, it's judgment time. This is this is what you're doing wrong. So you may as well do it as wrong as you can because your punishment is not, you're not getting out of it. Your punishment's coming. So you may as well enjoy it because apparently you like to brag about it anyway, right? <laughs> Comment, question? Go ahead, Steve. Is there any uh, connection between the different offerings that we do today like they had the free will offering and the thank offering they had talked about? No, no. There's really no... They were, they were very specific at certain times of years or certain festivals. Um, there's, I mean, we get the ideas from it, but uh, not really. Um, most of it, I mean, they were an agrarian society, so most of it was food and it was based on when the harvests came. So they would have a harvest in the fall like we do for certain wheats and stuff. And they would have a harvest in the spring, um, of like that's when the uh, barley and stuff would come in. And so there'd been festivals in the spring that would go with that. And so most of that uh, takes place because the summer is a dry season. So there isn't a lot that was harvested through the summer, but spring and fall, and the rainy season is the winter for them. So yeah, we, we've adopted a lot of the names um, and we don't bring, I don't, we don't usually bring stuff, unless you count the uh, yard sale, but there's no more. <laughs> um, we, we bring money. You guys write checks or send it to me electronically or or whatever. Um, really, they didn't have, they, money was 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 the purview of the merchants and not the average people. They They mostly dealt in stuff in trade, so... Going, going. Okay. We'll move on. Amos, chapter 4, 6
1: through 11. I gave you cleanness clean, of teeth in all your cities and lack of bread in all your places. Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. I also withheld the rain from you when there were yet three months to the harvest. I would send rain on one city and send no rain on another city. One field would have rain, and the field on which it did not rain would wither. So two or three cities would wander to another city to drink water and would not be satisfied. Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. I struck you with blight and mildew for many your many gardens and your vineyards your fig trees and your olive trees the locusts devoured yet you did not return to me declares the lord oh. i sent among you the pestilence after the manner of egypt i killed your young men with a sword and carried away your horses and I made the stench of your camp go up into your nostrils, yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. I overthrew some of you as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and you were as a brand plucked out of the burning, yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. Okay.
0: There's a lot going on in this. Uh, let me jump here first. All right, so we've had indulgent women, worship even harder, now we've got refuse God's offer. Um, God has been offering. Remember, this is a, 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 a tabulation, if you will, of all that God has done for the people of the northern kingdom, and he's proclaiming judgment. That's Amos' job. So God's reviewing what's going on, And um, he says, I've tried to get your attention. Now remember, this is the northern kingdom. So people like Elijah have already come. The famine Elijah called upon the entire nation of Israel, the northern kingdom. It didn't rain. It didn't rain. It didn't rain. And all that. We saw that the uh, Elisha had, there was... um, Uh, The Assyrians had come and locked them in Samaria. And there was uh, the three lepers who went out and saw that um, all the food and all that was left there, that the Assyrians had fled and left it. And they were eating donkey heads and pigeon poo and people's children and stuff. God says, look, I've done everything I can to get your attention to turn back to me. Our world, not just their world, but in our world, God has been trying to get our attention. And uh, it's funny, I was just reading an article about how people are willing to accept an unseeable and an unknown idea of how everything started. It isn't the unobservable that people are against. Because the very idea of evolution taking billions of years and all that, nobody observed it. We have no scientific evidence for it. it it's pre—it's all supposition. And people are willing to accept that. What they are unwilling to accept is God. And it isn't because God is unknown and unobservable and unseeable like they talk about. The atheist talks about it. You know, oh, you've got some God. I've got this unobservable force that's been working since time started. and you No, know, what they object to is, is that God thinks he has the right to put a demand on our lives. That's what we object to. We don't want to be controlled by somebody else. Oh, wait, no, we don't mind that as long as it's the stars. Because we'll turn to astrology and go, well, this is telling me what my, how I'm supposed to act today. I read my, my daily horoscope and stuff. Mm-hmm. We're willing to accept that. What we're unwilling to accept is that that God can say how we're supposed to live. That he has the right to say, this is the moral values that I am okay with. And you need to live by them. We're, We're unwilling. See, a horoscope and all that tells you how to live. But it doesn't tell you that this is the only way to do it. That this is the only right way to do it. And that's what we object to with God. They knew what God wanted, and they rejected it. They did not want to be told, I have to take care of the poor. The rest of the world doesn't have to take care of the poor. Why should I have to worry about the poor? Why should I have to worry about the orphan? It is their unfortunate dole. The universe decided that they should be that way. Who am I to get in the way of what the universe wants with them? I'm just going to line up with everybody else and grind my uh, little bit out of them and keep on going, right? Right? See, we're, we're, we're so self-centered. We don't want to be told that we have to look at everybody else. I can't get as rich as I can if I can't abuse the poor because everybody else is abusing the poor. The rest of the world is abusing the poor. So God is refu- they've refused God's offer at what is the good life and all that. He tried five ways to get their attention, he says. Famine. As we read through the book of Kings, we saw famines over and over and over again. God tried to get their attention by withholding the rain. And he brought droughts. He brought droughts to the land so that there wasn't water. He sent blights and locusts to destroy their crops. Remember, they're an agrarian society. When their crops failed, they had nothing for the next year. You would starve to death. You wouldn't have the money you needed. You became the poor. Oftentimes, that meant you couldn't pay your tax on the land, which meant you'd have to. the government would take your land. And then you would work the land for the government, and they would come and take all your crops, and then they'd give you a little bit back so you could live. Uh, at subsistence levels that was completely against everything God's word said right Mm -hmm. God had said that the year jubilee the land returns to the people you couldn't charge interest all those things they weren't doing it because they had a better plan and it's it's the little guy he's doing it too because he thinks well eventually I'll get enough and I can climb up and be one of the big guys. If they would have turned to God and, and held to God, it, life would have been so much better for them. But no, we got but look, the rich people aren't doing it, so i got to be like them, and if I can get enough together, I can get, climb up and become one of those rich people. Do you realize how insane this system was? God said, look, this is the way it's going to work, and everybody's going to treat everybody equally. And the rich don't treat the, the poor worse, And the poor don't look at the rich and go, I wish I was them. No, it was supposed to be that. But they wouldn't listen. And so he sent plagues. He sent locusts. Um, The plagues were killing people, just like like it was in Egypt. you remember the plagues of Egypt? How bad were they? And then finally, he talks about pulling that brand out of the fire. Here we go, another figure (coughs) of speech. Anybody want to guess what that actually is referencing? guesses narrow escape they got away by the skin of their teeth we'd say today that they were god was sending the assyrians they came how many times over and over again and there were always a few that would escape just barely as they would haul people away or kill people the whole problem was instead of looking to god they looked to others The poor looked to the government to save them from the rich. The rich looked to themselves to gain as much as they could and maybe even overthrow the government. Remember, most of the kings in the northern kingdom were replaced by assassination. They were killed, and somebody else took their place. God offered them a better way, and everybody looked at it and said, you know what, nah, we could do better ourselves. I don't want to have to be worried about my brother, my neighbor. Those losers, they had this superiority attitude. I know better. I know how to do this. I can make it on my own. And the problem is that they would just grind one another down, and then they'd grind the next one down, and you'd get to the top, and then you get ground down because, well, you've got everything, so and I want it. And all that, those indulgent women Those cows of Bashan, they're going to be drug out like fish on a hook, right? Comment? Question? Hmm. Y'all aren't talking today. All right, Amos chapter 4, 12 and 13.
2: Therefore, thus I will do to you, O Israel, because I will do this to you, prepare to meet your God, O Israel. For behold, he who forms the mountains and creates the wind and declares to man what is his thought, who makes the morning darkness and treads on the heights of the earth. The Lord, the God of hosts, is his name.
0: Where am I going to? Thirteen. Thirteen. That's it? Yeah, I know. (laughs) I'm just looking at this. And maybe you're not seeing it. Prepare to meet your God. The problem is is we're believers. And we're not afraid of meeting God. But this is God proclaiming judgment on the people. And he declares, prepare to meet me. You are doomed. You ever watch Scrooge? George C. Scott, he's in that tunnel. And he shows them the uh, two children he has under his robe and he tells Scrooge you are doomed and it like reverberates through everything that is what I hear when I read this prepare to meet God you're done game over it's not just imminent it is here people that don't tremble at the thought of meeting God don't understand who he is Prepare for doom. That's what God is telling them. Can you imagine a prophet standing in the city, telling the people, you have done all these things. And God says, prepare for your doom. We would laugh. Somebody marching around New York City up on Wall Street, right? We would mock, wouldn't we? That's what the whole book of Revelation is. Prepare to meet your maker. And if you don't, your name's not in the Lamb's book of life. Prepare for doom. That's what John tells us. They didn't get it. They're not paying attention. Now you're going to meet God. The one who gave you the law. The one who gave you the rules for life. Morality is not an option. The moral code that is there is not a suggestion. God said, this is the way you will live, and I'm going to judge you based on it. It isn't that he wanted us to be boring. It isn't that he didn't want us to have fun. It's that he knows how holy and righteous he is, and that he has to judge us by it, and he wanted to save us from ourselves and we are refusing to listen to it. The more we run towards these things in our world, the more we add rule or change the rules and say, well, abortion's legal. Great, you made it legal. God said it's morally wrong. He's not going to judge us, well, you kept the law. You, You did what the US government said you could do. No, God said, I said no, I'm God. Do you not understand that? And that's what's going on here. Now you're going to meet him. Now you're going to find out why I told you not to do this. The time of accountability has come. That's something we've lost in this country. They lost it in ancient Israel. They didn't believe they were accountable to anybody but themselves. And we have lost the sense of accountability. We send people to government and they're unaccountable and do whatever they want to do. They're not accountable to us, the voters. They never come back and have to answer for what they did. We vote people in and all of a sudden, all the things they told us they were gonna do, they don't do. And then we vote them back again. Why? Because there's no accountability. There's no accountability. Why are we all mad about the new IRS agents? Because the government's gonna make us accountable for paying our taxes. There are taxes, pay them. We're accountable to the government shouldn't be mad that the IRS agents are coming. the problem is there are too many people who don't want to be accountable to the government. they wouldn't need those agents if everybody just show up and pay their tax right It's the same way with God. it's the same thing. Here are the rules for life God said. you will take care of your neighbor. It's the greatest second greatest commandment. you will worship me. period those are it. that's it. two things. love your neighbor. And I don't mean love in, in, in the, the worldly sense. Take care of them. Be responsible for them. Accountability is coming. And then finally, and, and this is the part they, they don't get. Now, I want you, I'm got to draw the picture for you. The very idea here is God is angry with them. They haven't done what they wanted to do and they thought they would just get away with it. Go and worship harder and it'll be okay, right? Now, Go back to Lord of the Rings. Think of it. Gandalf is in Mount Moriah. In the mines. The bar log is coming. And he slams his staff down. And what does he say to the creature? Shall not pass. You shall not pass. That's what God is telling them here. The very essence of this is none are coming to heaven. None shall pass. You have done it wrong. You have failed Israel. And now you're going. This is judgment of the highest degree. God is not impressed with our offerings. He's not impressed with the way we act. The way how woke we are. No. He's only impressed with one thing. Following him. Living his way. Doing it the way he wants it done. They weren't doing it. They thought they were, you know, oh, we're God's chosen people. I mean, they wore it like a badge. God's chosen people. See, it says it right there. I'm all that and then some. You're Gentiles. Guess what? You're fuel for hell. I am the chosen people. And God's like, no. You did not live the way I wanted you to live. That's what makes us the chosen people. That's what makes us Christians. See, we took out the word chosen people today, and now we say we're Christian. Well, what does that mean? It means that we're living the way God wanted us to, and this is not the way to do it, as we're seeing here. Okay, comment or question? I know, I'm wound up, right? <laughs> no, we just sitting there, terrified. <laughs>
2: I think it's interesting in verse 12 he, he says prepare to meet your God and then in case they've forgotten who he is in verse 13 he goes on about how he's the one who forms the mountains, creates the wind, declares to man what his thoughts are who makes the morning darkness, treads on the heights of the earth Like they've forgotten who he is
0: well that's it, we, we forget who God is too, we think of it I mean look, he is our father and yeah, it's all nice and, and that we can climb up in his lap and talk to him and all that. That's all true. Theologically, that's correct. But we forget that he is God, that he is the creator of the universe, that his power so far exceeds us that we can't begin to comprehend <laughs> him, and that his holiness and righteousness so far exceed our understanding of, Because that's what drives his wrath and judgment. That this is the standard. That's why he had to send his own son to die. We could not do it ourselves. And we forget just those characteristics. And Israel has forgotten too. They think he's the lovable gods that the um, other peoples had. Well, not that Moloch was that lovable. But if we just give him all the offerings... They'll be okay, and everybody will be okay. We just need to worship them a little bit, and basically, they looked at them like little toddlers. All these gods in the Near East were kind of like toddlers, and they would throw a temper tantrum. And as long as you gave them a marshmallow, they would be happy. I mean, you ever you ever do that? You got a toddler, you give them a marshmallow, (laughs) they're the happiest thing in the world. It's just it's a marshmallow, you know. But that's how they viewed the gods. You know, they just get mad occasionally, and you just got to worship them a little bit, and they'll be happy again, and all life will go on, and I don't have to worry about it. And God is reminding them, I'm not like that. I created the world. I sustain the world. I mean, do, do we understand that? God sustains every breath. If he stops thinking about us for a second, we go out of existence. That's how vital he is to our life. But we just don't think of it that way. And so we live our lives the way we want him to live. Oh, I don't feel like doing this thing that God says I should do. I don't like that rule, so I ignore it. None shall pass. Everybody is already judged and going to hell. There it is. Other comments or questions? Okay. Good book.
1: Oh. You. Um, you probably explained this before, but when, you know, love ourselves, I mean, love our neighbors as ourselves, mm-hmm. why do you think he added as ourselves? Like, because a lot of people don't even like themselves.
0: Um, actually, that is self-love.
1: Uh,
0: yeah, we, it, it, yeah we, we perverted it. We, we, we perverted it, we, so we are self-deprecating. Because we think that's how the world sees us, so we're going to do it to ourselves first because we can deal with ourselves doing it to ourselves. Um, It's a perversion.
2: It's protective, self-protective. Yeah.
0: It really isn't uh, humbling at all. It it isn't humility. That's false humility, which he talks about. Hmm. Um, Yeah. Good question, though. Thank you. George. Yeah, just being able to relate, learning about God's nature, learning about God, and we can see in our own country, how we're in the same position now, mm-hmm. but also for our own hearts um, before God, because we, we don't measure up and it makes what God did for us in salvation so much greater. And in all this, he does get the glory. Yeah. And, and that's it. When we live contrary to the world, it is glorifying to God because people then go, "Why?" And the only answer is, "Well, God said so." I mean, let's face it: the most natural thing is to do what's good for me. But when I turn and do what's good for somebody else instead, especially if what I do for somebody else is detrimental to me, it costs me money. I mean, that was the whole the the Good Samaritan. That story is just so outrageous to the world's mind, then it can only bring God glory. All right, a couple things to take with us, and then we'll go. First, we are to champion, we are to be champions of the poor and oppressed, not oppressors of them. Now, we again, we often think of this in terms of money, but it isn't always about money. There are people who are oppressed but they're not oppressed financially. They're oppressed emotionally. They're oppressed verbally. I've known rich people. The abuse in the family was ridiculous. I've seen it with from parents to children and their adult children who have children of their own and they're being abused because the parents are holding the purse strings because it's family money. That's oppression. So don't just think of this in terms of money. It isn't the poor people who are living on the streets over here in Potsdam that are being oppressed. They might be being oppressed. Actually, probably a lot of them are not, though. Many of them have chosen that life for one reason or another. That's not being oppressed. Being oppressed is being kicked out by somebody who just doesn't want to deal with you so that they can shack up with somebody else I found a prettier woman I found a a richer guy and they kick out the other one that's oppression that needs to be we we need to champion those people that's wrong Um, people who aren't paying their alimony their child support and all that that's a form of oppression it isn't always about money a lot of times it's about the way they're being treated even so we are to champion, be champions of the poor and the oppressed. We are to worship God with humility and repentance. That's a hard one. We need to be humo- <laughs> We have to have humility when we come to God. I think a lot of times, particularly in our, in our more modern, woke age, we focus a lot on God being our sugar daddy and not the creator of the universe the sustainer of all things we've got to have that sense of humility yes that's true but I think we've swung that pendulum God's no longer this angry God that just brings wrath Um, we've got to come back towards the middle a little bit I guess back in the early part of last century God was very wrathful and judgeful and he's going to get you And we've swung too far the other way. We need to repent. Lastly, we should live knowing that God will hold us accountable. That is probably the most important thing. We know what God wants. We're made to know that God God has a claim on us. And we often ignore it. Because we forget that we're going to be held accountable, we need to be doing what's right in God's eyes—not right in our eyes, not right in the church's eyes, not right in the pastor's eyes. What's right in God's eyes? Because He's going to one who's going to judge us. We're answerable to Him. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for the reminder, the warning. <coughs> and the fact that we can look and see what Israel was doing and understand how you felt about it as we see our own world is heading in that very direction. Lord, help us to live lives that are prepared to give an account. Go with us this week and let us be humble and worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.